0: Be seated. The title of my message is from a movie on the waterfront. Uh, I think it won a number of Academy Awards years ago, but it's called "I Could Have Been a Contender." Anybody remember that? Uh, when Marlon Brando's sitting there and looking young like me, it's not a time to laugh. It's, it's some serious, it's a heart attack, you know? Uh, and he's looking back in a sense of his career and sort of like, you know, some of you that became drug addicts, what have you, and you maybe you could have played third base with the Los Angeles Dodgers, but you didn't get to. Thank you for not laughing, hallelujah. Uh, and you look back and you say, man, I could have I I made it. I could have I played in the bigs. I could have done this, that, and the other. Well, he was thinking he was a boxer. And through wrong choices, he wasn't able to become a champion. And so he says there, I could have been a contender. Uh, he's like, man, I, you know, if I would have just made the right moves, I could have done something. Well, in Christianity, I don't want us to look back someday and say, I could have been a champion. No. We want you to be champions. More than conquerors. So I believe God's going to speak to us here today. Jeremiah chapter 12 beginning in verse 1. Righteous or just are you, O Lord. When I plead with you. I'm going to read out of the King James. New King James. It let me talk with you about your judgments. Uh-oh. <laughs> he says, you're righteous, but... Why does the way of the wicked (coughs) prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow, yes, and bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. In other words, they say thank you, but they don't really mean it. But you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, and the herbs of of every field wither? The beasts and birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there, because they said, "He will not see our final end." Here's the key verse that I really, really want us to win on. How many have the the NIV or the King James? Doesn't it say, look what it says right there, right before the, the uh, verse five. It says, "The Lord answers Jeremiah." Doesn't it say that? God's answer. Okay, to Jeremiah. In other words, the first four verses Jeremiah was speaking, but here comes God. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear from God? Here comes the Lord. Jerry. If you have run with the footmen, and they have worried you, how can you, King James, contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, the valleys in which you trusted, they worried you, then how will you do in the thicket or the jungle of the Jordan? Father, I pray you would shake us out of our laziness, shake us out of our comfort zone and put us in the conforming zone, conforming into your likeness and image. We'll have it no other way. We want all that you have for us, that we would reach our full potential as individuals and corporately as a church. In your name, amen. Now, Jeremiah, unlike most other prophets, because he was able to live a ripe old age kind of a life, he was able to see a lot of the things that he foretold, a lot of his prophecies that he brought forth fulfilled. Are you with me? Because he he lived to be a ripe old age. So the the things that he he prophesied in his lifetime, unlike other prophets, he was able to see these things come to fruition, come to pass. Many of the woes and the calamities that he himself predicted, Jeremiah was able to see them fulfilled. He had to, to witness the fulfillment of his own words of doom. A life of this type of, of, uh, 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 of longevity, especially if you're going to be one of God's prophets, would and will always see more than its share of troubles, turmoil, and trial. Don't let me lose you now. If you're going to be one of God's generals, if you're going to be a genuine Christian, and if you're going to stand for God, especially the life of a prophet or a minister, expect trials in your life. Uh, Storms that Renee was talking about. Uh, They're gonna come your way. And one can easily see as you read the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah's life was continually being formed and forged in the fire. Where that? In the fire. Uh, Was being formed and forged, his life, in the furnace. And here in chapter 12, we, we, we see a glimpse, we catch a glimpse of Jeremiah's early education. What kind of education? His formative years. When he's, when he's a new prophet. He's not, he's not that old yet. He's getting an early education in prophets, prophet 101. All right? That's what's happening here. Now, in chapter 11, verse 19, there we see, chapter prior to that, we see a plot that was being formed trying to get rid of Jeremiah's life. In other words, there was a, a committee to kill him, to do, to do away with him. Chapter 11, verse 19. Uh, I was like a lamb. In other words, they were trying to, to take his name out of the land of the living. They wanted to kill the guy. And then in chapter 9, verse 2, one of my favorite scriptures that I've preached on before, okay, of Jeremiah 9. We see Jeremiah down and out and depressed over his own people, and he wants to run away and hide. Where he longs for a, a, a quiet place. He, he longs for a peaceful, the, the days of peace of, of yore, of before. Oh, that I was, you know, that I had in the a, a lodging place for wayfaring men. Remember that? Have you heard me preach on this? One of my favorite sermons. In other words... He's tired of being in, the, in a caravan. These guys used to be on caravans. He, he says, man, I, I want to quit doing all this kind of work for God. If I just had a, a, a lodging place for a way man. In other words, if I just ran a rehab home, hallelujah, I don't want to be a pastor no more. That's really what it's saying. Uh, I, I, I know how to run home. And let me tell you something, sometimes I thought I've been tempted like that. Uh, now you laugh. You know when I'm tempted like that? When people aren't tithing. When people aren't giving, I said, "Oh my God, what's going to happen here? What if they quit giving? What if?" Ay, ay, ay. The pastor shall live by faith. That's what I said. I, I know I can. I ain't going to get out of ministry. I know I can run a hall. Ah, are you with me? Hallelujah. Well, we'll see. The, we got the money at the end of the. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's go on. Uh, but have you ever been there? I, I just snitched on my battle stuff. So I've been there before. When Jer, like Jeremiah, we just want to you know, sort of just stop doing what we were doing before. Well, Jeremiah, he was learning the price of ministry at its highest, highest levels, he was a prophet, okay? That's what he was learning, the price of ministry at the, its highest capacity. Where and when loneliness and rejection uh, are more than commonplace, uh, but they come with a job. Loneliness, trials, they come with the job of a prophet. Jeremiah was learning the prophets are not just that popular. Sometimes Christians aren't either. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking about a prophet here this morning, but hey, Christianity's not all that popular all the time, too. You're gonna go to church. Uh, see, if you're gonna sign up for Prophet 101, expect a shortage of everything classrooms, students, teachers, uh, materials. There's a shortage on that. Not everybody wants to be a prophet. Jeremiah was learning to stand up against the strongest of criticisms and the staunchest of opposition. Because that was going to happen to a man of God, a prophet of God, a Christian. You're going to have to face strong criticism. There you go again, holier than that. You're going to church. Oh, Uh, oh, you don't drink no more. Excuse me. Uh, They don't like that. He's going to get you. Jeremiah had to learn not only to be without friends, but to watch as former friends became foes. I like that one. I'm going to say it again. Jeremiah had to learn not only to be without friends, but have his former friends now become his foes. Uh, who do you think you are? They were turning on him. Talk about trials. This was walk about trials, not talk about trials. See, experiences like this. Either make a man, or they mar a man. Hmm. They either make you, or they mar you. Especially prophets. I mean, this girl, Elizabeth Smart, she's marred for life. No choice of her own. She didn't choose Prophet 101 school. She didn't choose to be abducted. She didn't choose to be kidnapped. But her life is marred for life. Some of you are watching maybe Patty Hurst when she was talking, and she's been 30 years past when she got kidnapped. Uh, and she's still marred for life. Uh, but in, in Christianity, in prophets, if you're going to be a prophet as well, a man of God, a minister, uh, experiences like this, when they're criticizing you, when you've got to come against the flow, when you've got to stand up against the wiles of the enemy, they're either going to make you or going to break you. Uh, see, when someone is subjected to the troubles and trials, given to a prophet, or a prophet in training, those experiences... Come with the temptation that came to Job. Let me read that again. When you're training to be a Christian. When you're training to be a prophet. That training comes with the very same temptation that came to Job. Why don't you just curse God and die? Forget about it. Uh, It's not worth it. Everybody talking about you. All these things coming against you. uh, Just curse God and die. Matter of fact. Jeremiah here is wrestling with the very same monster of injustice that Job himself had wrestled with many years earlier. matter of fact, let me just throw this in. Job is the, uh, the, the oldest book in the Bible. Which is the oldest book in the Bible? Job. So Jeremiah here, now he's wrestling with the same monster. It's a monster called injustice. That's what he says in the first four verses. It's, it's not right. Why do the wicked prosper? How come this is happening? and I'm not doing nothing, and I'm tithing. Uh, and I'm giving, I'm, and I'm sacrificing. And how come they, look at, look at Donald Trump, uh, Ted Turner, and all these guys. My neighbor, turn to Job chapter three. Let me show you something. I wanna show you that he's wrestling with the very same monster of injustice Jeremiah is. That Job, another prophet, years earlier had wrestled with as well. Job chapter 3, do you have it? Verse 3 and 4. A lot of verses here chapter 3. If you've ever been to funerals, sometimes I preach on this. Some of the funerals that I, that I preach at, I like to use this chapter a lot. Verse 3. May the day perish in which I was born, and the night in which it was said... A male child is born or conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. Verse 10. Because it did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide sorrow from my eyes. Verse 11. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish? Verse 12. Why? Verse 16. Why? Verse 20. Why, verse 23, why, verse 26 ends, I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, I have no rest, for trouble comes. He's feeling, Job is feeling the very same way Jeremiah would feel many years later. Why, why, why? Why didn't I die when I was, why did I have to go through all this madness? Why couldn't I have just been, you know, something else? Why does trouble always come my way? Why am I not not at peace and at ease? Mm. Job and Jeremiah were cut out of the same mold, the mold of a prophet, of a minister, of a Christian. In reading these verses, we can see that Jeremiah had his job cut out for him. I'll wait a little bit here for you. Ah. See, both Job and Jeremiah, they rise up to call out the seeming injustices of their day. That's what they do. They stand up and they come against injustice. They're prophets. They wouldn't be good prophets if they didn't. I mean, in other words, what are the prophets supposed to do? Prophesy against what? Injustice. Uh, So they both stand up and say, that's not right. Why, why, why? I don't get it. Yet Jeremiah please. They seem to fall on, 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 on the ground. They seem to fall unnoticed and unheard. The pleas of Jeremiah. His travail seems of no avail. Did you hear what I said? His prayer, his travail seems of no avail. In other words, I'm praying to God, but he's not listening. It looks as if he's kicking against the pricks where thorns have wounded many a prophet's feet before him and later on other prophets as well. Did you hear what I said? He's kicking against the pricks where other prophets have been wounded before as well, like Paul would later on, years later. Yet, my friend, in Jeremiah's troubling condition, he remains steadfast. He doesn't lose his equilibrium because he never loses his sight of God. Now, let's examine his plight and his plea there in chapters 12, verses 1 through 5. Go back to Jeremiah 12, and let's look at what he does there in verses 1 through 5. See, right from the very beginning, verse 1, Jeremiah realizes and he recognizes that though the world is wrecked with injustice, God himself remains just and righteous, because look what he says in verse 1. Righteous are you, O oh Lord. In other words, he says that the, the, the world is not righteous and all, there's madness and, and all kinds of sadness and all that stuff going on. But God, you're still just. So he establishes, now God, I'm going to, you know, you, you, but you're still strong. You're still righteous. You're still just. You're still powerful. You're still on the throne. But, he says in verse 2, uh, yet he continues there in verse 1, yet I want to talk to you about justice. You're just, but I want to talk to you about justice. Then he proceeds to ask a few questions, just like Job had before him. Why do the wicked prosper? Uh, why, do they, why are they successful? Uh, see, he, he begins to plead his case. Uh, he says, why do their businesses grow? Why do their profits multiply? Why are they rich and I'm so poor, he says. How come they're prospering? How come they're profiting? And I'm the prophet. They profit and I'm the prophet. Ah, He says, I long for you, I I want you, yet I remain poor. Why is that, God? How come? I can't understand that, God. Could you please answer me, why? See, but I believe Jeremiah is making more of a statement to God than a question. Uh, I don't think he's so much concerned so much about the prosperity of the wicked as much he is about the poverty of Jeremiah. I really need to think that. I think he's more concerned about his poverty than their richness uh, and their prosperity. See, Jeremiah's whys are more about him than about the wicked. He really wants to know why, if he's doing God's will, why does he have to go through all the suffering and difficult times, whether or not? Now that all brings me to the bread of my sermon. God's answer to Jeremiah's complaining question is very odd and very eye-opening. I'm going to repeat that again. The answer God gives to Jeremiah's complaint, to Jeremiah's question, is is really odd. But sometimes we have an odd God. Uh, Remember the words of another furnace-prepared prophet, Isaiah, who says God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Well, I would add, God's answers are not always our answers. We'd always answer, well, it's because of this, see, It's because of that. No, no, no. God's answer is very eye-opening. God's ways of answering questions are not always the basic common ways that people or man might do it. See, God answers and his explanations are not necessarily with words. God won't answer you through through, through verbal sometimes. He'll do it through his life, through your life, through circumstances. God usually has his answers in the form of actions and deeds and life situations. How does God usually give answers? Through actions and deeds. The way we live out life. With God, actions are usually louder than words. What did I preach on last Sunday night? Remember that? On Matthew 10, 18 through 20? Where God tells us uh, that in difficult times, that in hard times, God tells us in Matthew 10, 18, don't prepare a speech Prepare a life. If you were here Sunday night, that's what I spoke on. God doesn't want, you know, when you come before judges, when you come before governors, God says in in Matthew 10, don't panic. Uh, I'll give you the word. don't Don't prepare a speech. Prepare a life. You should have been in church. Hallelujah. You should have been ready. You should have been studying the Bible. Don't prepare a speech. Prepare your life. That's what all of you are doing. Thank God that you came here to church today. You're preparing the life. Getting ready that God can use. Don't have to worry about preparing a speech. Uh, and in Jeremiah twelve five, God answers Jeremiah's question with another question. God addresses Jeremiah's complaint with his own complaint. Stay with me now. Here's a bunch of the sermon. This is it. Here, here, here. This is going to get good, I think. Uh, he doesn't answer Jeremiah with an answer. He answers his question with another question. He answers his complaint. Huh? with his own complaint you want to complain I'll complain he tells them oh yeah Jeremiah ah. you know in other words it's sort of like God saying hey I'm not on trial here ah, you're on trial see Jeremiah's charge against God of injustice is met and countered by God by God's charge to Jeremiah of weakness you can't lose this, right? This, this is the foundation of the sermon. Okay? Jeremiah's charge to God of injustice is met by God, by God's charge to Jeremiah of his own weakness. Of what? Of what? Weakness. God asked Jeremiah in verse 5 of chapter 12, a rather well-known verse within Christianity. He says, if you have run with mere men and they have wearied you, made you tired and lazy, how will you contend with horses? Ah, I could have been a contender. See, verse 5 goes on to say, Jeremiah, if you've stumbled and fallen on safe, flat ground, how are you going to fare in the jungle of the Jordan? Ah, in the thicket of the Jordan. Where, where, where there's a lot of wild beasts lions and tigers and bears and the heat is real tropical and real hot the weather, the condition see the bottom line is this the answer from God to Jeremiah's complaint is oh Jeremiah if you think it's hard and difficult up to now well get ready Jerry cause you ain't seen nothing yet buddy it's gonna get harder What an answer. You think you were complaining before? Well, I'm ready. You're going to be complaining more. And that's a rap song. Hallelujah. Uh, he said, You ain't seen nothing yet. You're complaining about running with footmen? Wait till the horses come, buddy. You think you had trials now? Line them up. Here they come again and again and again. Church again. Ah. <laughs> when the horses come, ah, that's what he's telling them here. It's going to get harder yet. You've only been running with footmen. Well, here come the horses. And when the horses come, then you really know what tired and weary he is. That's what he's telling them. You don't know what tired is. Wait till the horses come. Wait till you get to the jungle. Then you can talk about danger. It ain't dangerous yet. It's going to get dangerous when you get down in the thicket of the Jordan. Now, church, let me ask you. Does that seem like a hard, harsh answer coming from God to Jeremiah? Yes, it does. You'd think he would be, oh, mijo, come here. Oh, you've been doing so good. Ah, uh, yeah. Here. Here's $2.22. Deserve a break today. At McDonald's. Two for two twenty-two. One for me and one for you. Ah. Uh, I like fish sandwiches. He doesn't do that. Ah. Uh, he says it's gonna get harder still. Ah. Uh, now it seems like a real hard answer. But and don't miss this, but it was the answer Jeremiah needed. Some of you that are going through some hard problems right now, you think God was going to get you today and just speak to you. Oh, you're so, come here, oh yeah, they've been talking about you. You don't have enough, oh. He says, you ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Stay with me now, don't run out. Close the doors, shut the windows. Because uh, it's going to get better. Jeremiah needed to be prepared, not pampered. Don't be a sissy. Don't be a cha I'll verify that statement just a little bit. But that's really what he's saying. Uh, you can do it. But I want to get ahead of myself. Uh, Jeremiah needed, like I said, to be prepared, not pampered. Uh, he wouldn't need backbone, not backbiting. That's what he needed. Backbone, not backbiting. Oh, God, shut up. Look at him. Now, this is a very strange answer. Uh, get ready, Jeremiah. It's going to get even tougher. But this answer, God knew, was the remedy for weakness. Remember I said weakness. Uh, it was weak. being weak getting weak on us, don't get weak on us now. Oh, no. in a church like this, you can't get weak on us right now. There's too much to do. Oh. See, Jeremiah is taught the need for endurance. Hold on, buckle up. Get ready, bear down, Jeremiah. Uh, hang tough, because it's gonna to get tougher. That's what God's telling him, get tough, Jeremiah, because oh, it's time for the tough times. Now again, this is a strange answer it, it's effective. It's effective. It helps awaken the heart and the courage and the grit in all of us. Jeremiah included. Yes, it does. When it wakes us up, it shakes us up. Uh, we thought we were gonna get some kind of a little sissy answer, and oh yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Get ready because it's gonna get tougher. It is. Yes, so get ready. <laughs> Take your stance. See, church, now here's the key. And the beauty of God's answer is that it it appeals to Jeremiah's strengths, not his weaknesses. It appeals to his strengths. You got it in you, buddy. If you've been through one trial, you can go through two. If you've been through two, you can go through four. If you've been through four, you can go through eight. Do the math. Do the math. I'm still standing. Why do you think, I always say, as long as you're breathing, there's hope? Because there's Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still on the throne, and he wants to be in the throne of your heart. You can make it. Don't let the devil lie to you. If Jeremiah made it. If I'm making it, you can make it. Because the higher you go, the more the winds blow. This message is not just for prophets. Yes, he got it harder, but so What? Are you with me? See, Jeremiah will rise out of his complaints strong and resolute, ready to do whatever God prescribes and describes for his life. If God calls me worthy to, to suffer for his name's sake and worthy to be put into ministry, then so be it. Then that's what I'm going to do. I'm resolute. Here I stand. I can do no more. And my famous quote read my Hips. I didn't back down in the world. I'm going to back down here, either, buddy. I'm more powerful now. Uh, I was stupid then. I'm good and sane now. I know what I'm standing for now. Uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, see, by God's grace, Jeremiah will fight. And go off and contend with horses and with the dangers of the jungle by the grace of God. This, my friend, was the result in Jeremiah. And it was the right and required result that God was looking for. God didn't want him to run. God was looking for a strong result from him. The proof is in the pudding. And Jeremiah says, ah, I'm, I'm going to do it. That's what God was looking for. He was calling upon the chivalry. Inside Jeremiah, as God calls on the chivalry inside you, when you don't back down against the enemy or the trials and temptations that he throws your ways. Ah. Jeremiah would not quit, but he would endure. Endure. See, nothing of real worth and accomplishment can happen or occur without this type of attitude put into action. An attitude becoming an action. Like I've said before, Rosa Parks, uh, the civil rights movement, again, did not begin with Martin Luther King. It began with a woman who had this attitude put into action. She got up from the back of a bus and said, as I've ever preached before, Rosa, parks it here. In the front of the, I ain't getting off. Well, let nobody turn me around. Turn me around, turn me around. Uh, no, 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 no. Resolute, strong-hearted, steadfast. Martin Luther, the Protestant movement began with him, 97 theses that he, that he put up against the, the door of the Catholic Church. and says, listen, these 97 things need to be changed. The Pope said, listen, change your mind and we'll reinstate you as a priest. He said, I ain't changing. it. Read my hymns. Read those 97 things that need to be changed. They wouldn't do it, so he started the Protestant movement. Ah, resolute of heart. See, it is a spirit Recognized by its ability to suffer, to sacrifice, to endure, or to die even, and sometimes harder still than dying, not to die, but to keep living. Oh Got to say that again. To me, this is this, this, this good. If you recognize this spirit in a person's life, in his willingness to suffer to go through hard times what keeps him ticking what keeps her coming back Sunday after Sunday Wednesdays or Sunday nights uh, what keeps her living for God what keeps him going on it's a spirit that's easily recognized because it's willing to suffer and endure even to die and even harder than dying sometimes is to keep living because sometimes we don't want to keep on my God, look at this. I got this. I got that. It's so terrible. Man, it's not easy. But you got to keep it. You got to keep, keep it on. Uh, even in the tough times. Uh, very vital and important. It is a spirit that's found in any battle that's worth fighting for. Brave heart. Uh, anything of value, you got to pay a price, as I've quoted before. Anything of value. See, my friend, this type of Christianity is what God's church has been built on. Did you hear what I said? This type of Christianity, this type of gumption, this type of faith is what the early church was built on. In its ability to endure, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. By soldiers ready to die daily, to run with footmen, then contend with horses. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. Philippians 1, beginning in Verse 27 by people that are willing to contend not only with footmen but with horses. Did you hear me? Philippians 1 verse 27 through 30. Only oh, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ So the word I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. You're able to recognize the spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Romans 2.7 calls it, and I've preached on this before, Romans 2.7, patience continuance. The word patient continuance in the Greek means hupomeno. Patience continuance, hoopo means this the ability to remain under. When under the gun, don't run, hun, or son. Stay there. Be a thumbtack Christian, not a watermelon seat Christian. What happens when you put pressure on a watermelon seat? Boop. Go to any picnic, your friend. Boop. But what happens when you put pressure on a genuine thumbtack? Prophet or Christian, he stands harder. Sticks harder. This is all you can do to be devil. Well, bring it on. See this type of endurance is exhibited Sunday after Sunday by you and I. As you keep coming. Sometimes I wonder, are they gonna be here this Sunday? God, let me just tell you, I salute you. I love you people. I love this church. I love when you exhibit this endurance. A lot of you, I know your trials. If I was God, let's go on. <laughs> thank God I'm not. Uh, that's why I always say, thank God for God. You notice I didn't say thank God for Steve. Pastor, no, 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 okay, no. I'm a pretty patient guy. But sometimes, how many times have you been in the home? None! You gotta get in there at least start! Just kidding. Uh, but you keep coming Sunday after Sunday, ready to contend. Ready to what? Contend in the faith. Ah, uh, you might have had a bad week or a bad day, but at least you're not quitting. I'm contending. I'm not quitting. I don't want them to sleep me. There goes so-and-so. He could have been a contender. No. But I want to be content to contend. I'm content to contend Sunday after Sunday, week after week. See, church, God was telling Jeremiah what I'm telling you today. It's the battlefield that makes soldiers, not the barracks. What makes a soldier? the battlefield not the barracks the early church was willing to suffer and to suffer and to suffer and to suffer, and to suffer then ultimately to conquer don't, don't miss that they were willing to suffer and suffering church again church tithes yes. give yes. pledge yes. pray yes. fast on Mondays Suffer, but then ultimately to conquer. You're gonna like I've said before. I read the end of the book, I read the end of the Bible, and we win. Yeah. Ultimately, we're gonna conquer. Yeah. Just hang in there. What's the difference between a professional and amateur? What's the difference between a professional and an amateur? Five minutes. Five minutes, hang in there. See in Luke chapter 21, verse 19, it says there, and I'm getting close to closing. Don't worry. In Luke 21, 19, the Bible says, In your patience, you shall win your soul. Where? In your your endurance. That's how you win your soul. Uh, By just hanging in there. See, Christ is saying that patience and endurance uh, is far more powerful of a weapon than violence. Patience and endurance is more powerful of a weapon than violence. Uh, you You can use it on the enemy. I'm still here devil yes this might have happened Yeah, but look at me I'm sitting in church on a Sunday morning I'm still here ah because even if you lose everything else by patience you're gonna win the most important thing your soul that's what it's all about Romans chapter 2 talks about that patience continues all about salvation he that endures till the end ah shall be saved so what will it be this morning for you and I? Shall we keep on complaining or shall we just keep on? Uh, shall we get tired of running with footmen and falling on the flatlands? Or shall we get ready to contend with horses and the dangers of Jordan? God knows the answer to that question. We don't need, we don't need to be babied and, and pampered. We need to be prepared. We need some iron in our blood. We need to be told, get up and get on, Victor Richard Hayward. Because uh, it's not going to get any easier. That's what we need. It's not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder. Some of you might not like this. You're going to my goodness, it's hard to be the Christian. Yeah. Yeah. But Ma didn't raise no sissies. Paul don't raise no sisters. He doesn't. Especially in a ministry like this. We got things to do. Uh, show some grit. Show some heart. Show your strength. Because you've done it before, you can do it again. This is a church that's well known for that. Every time we've had to done, we're not going to pick up offerings, but let me just mention that. I want to really scare you. But you know that sometimes we've, we've had to pick up offerings and in the early days... We'd have a Sunday night service, maybe 64 people in the church. This is a small crowd. And then would, we were going to do some prayer, and they would bring me up a note. Some of you have heard this, but this is the truth. They'd bring me up a note. If we don't pick up $2,375.13, we may not be here next week. And I'd say, sing it again. <laughs> sing it again. and we'd be there again next week because people would always come through the call courage, to courageousness and chivalry that'll always get you to, to stand up and fight if you need be. Huh? Christianity is not, I repeat, it's not for the weary and the faint-hearted. It's not for, for the weary Christianity. Christianity is a commitment that lasts forever. How long? That's what Christianity is. If you're gonna get involved in this, it's, it's forever. It's a commitment. There's no crying in Christianity. Unless you're being dedicated, you know, that's a different story. Uh, but once you get away, there's no crying in base. I'm in mean, Christianity. <laughs> Mama didn't tell me it was going to be like this. Well, read your Bible. Listen to sermons like this. Uh, there's no complaining, prophets, in Christianity. Listen up, my friend. If God sends you, you and I, or Jeremiah, out to contend with horses in the jungles of the Jordan, then that means that he believes in us. Ah, uh, he, he believes we can do it. Besides, my friend, we're not going at it alone. See, God is not going to send us to places where we cannot stand and be tempted above which we can bear. He's not going to send us out someplace that we can't do it. We can't bear to contend it. So, So victory outreach, I say to you, go run with the horses. Go contend with the lions. You can do it. If it were not so, he would have told us so. So let's go to the jungles of the Jordan, where walls need to be knocked down, my friend. Where parking lots have to be put up. Where sprinkler systems have to be put on top of us. Uh, where ties have to be paid weekly, my friend. Where pledges are going to be picked up every now and again. Go to the jungle of the Jordan. Go contend with horses, because we can do it. He can do it out of the inner cities of this planet are gonna come people like you and I resolute to go to Poland to go where God will send us a people that were not a people to hold our head up high high to God be the glory look what he did He's